Okay, say some things. Hello. Adventure. Love. Connection. Risk. Passion. Evolution. Play. Life. The Archetypal Tarot Podcast. Provocative mythology for the 21st century. Julian here. We are getting all kinds of witchy for this October episode. And we're excited to share this conversation between me and tarot badass Melissa Sanova. Melissa is an award-winning author and tarot reader from St. Louis, Missouri. Her latest book, Kitchen Table Magic, is out now. And yeah, you should get it. It's awesome. So Melissa and I, we talk magic, the archetype of the witch, grief, toxic positivity, and pumpkin spice lattes. There is far more to them than any of us realized. It's a true story. And as is the case with Melissa and I, when we get together, swearing happens. So you've been warned, there will be F-bombs aplenty. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. Ring, ring. Hello. Hello. <laughs> What's up, witch? Nothing. You know, just hanging out, talking to my friend. Like oh. to do. Oh, I was going to say, if you're busy, we can do this another <laughs> time. I met you, you dork. I know, I know, I know. Hi. Hi, um, hi. I think, I'm not positive, but I think you, you are our most frequent guest. Um, there's a reason for that, your awesomeness. You're awesome. So, uh, Witchy Poo, you have a new book, and uh, we definitely want to talk about that. So, Melissa Sonova, author of, is this your third book? Fourth book? Uh, the magic I, one is the fourth one. The third one is the companion book to the Scorpio C Tarot, and then before that was Tarot Elements, and then before that was Kitchen Table Tarot. You are, you're busy. You've got a I lot. wrote two books in one year, which is stupid. Um, and I'm on track to do it again. So <laughs> I don't learn. Um, I don't learn from my mistakes. Well, I, I wouldn't call that a mistake. I would just that's a whole lot of work to do. But I just like once I get a project and go ahead on a project, it's all I want to do. I just want to sit and write it. And um and I think that that's how you find out what you want to do, like what you want to be when you grow up, is that like one of my, we were playing a game night the other night, this cool thing called Jackbox, which sounds dirty, but isn't. And I was playing with Jamie and Hillary and their partners. And then I was like, okay, that was fine. I have to go write. And what the hell is wrong with me? I'm a Sagittarius. I love people. And I was just like, mm -hmm, I got stuff to do. So I think that finding that thing that makes you light up, man, that's the best. It yeah. is. It's super weird when you find like five things that do that. Yeah, for it's, sure. And, it, and then it gets confusing. I have so much Cancerian in me that like, yeah, I, I will ebb and flow into what have you, which is evidence, sorry, in my life. Well, that's awesome. No, you're, you're prolific and your writing, I will just say, I have a copy of Kitchen Table Magic. I wish we were actually across the kitchen table right now. That would make this so much better. But we do what we can. Um, your books are all... No, I haven't read the guidebook for the uh, tarot deck um, yet. But all Another of your book. books... I know, I know. We didn't send you a free copy. You see how that works, Melissa. <laughs> I get a free copy. What? I, I know, I know, I know. I can be bought. But um, <laughs> and I, I genuinely, absolutely 
adore the way you write, possibly because it's really, really good and really succinct and easy to read, but also possibly because you're adorable. And <laughs> I think we have enough similarities that I'm like, she's just saying what I would say. So I love it. That's awesome. But I'm not, technically I don't consider myself a witch. And I know we, we have an, at least one episode, if not two, talking about superstition, which those two words, witchery, witches, witchcraft, and superstition are like, unfortunately, inextricably combined when I don't yeah. think it should be. So let's, let's talk about witchery. Let's talk about your book which everyone right now should get a copy of. And I think it's a great book for people, even if you're not interested in what one could call witchcraft, everybody's interested in magic. Period. Yeah. Everybody is. It's actually a deeply spiritual book. I'm just saying I'm in the best possible way, but it's a great book to read if you're curious about things, but it's, it's just helpful and it gives you something to do with the stuff that's going on in your life. Yes. And I think people need that. And I know I need it. So that's the best part of magic is that you feel out of control. At least I do. I mean, we're right now when we're recording, we're in the middle of Corona and like, what the fuck are you supposed to do about that? It's a global pandemic. Everybody is like going through some form of suffering. And what is the best thing to do? like you can't do anything you know you feel stuck and the thing that i love the most about magic is that it it allows you to do something when otherwise you'd just be sitting around and and feeling like you're you're doing nothing or feeling like you're stuck and it gets you unstuck you know it puts the control in your hands and that's that's really empowering and it's really important um and i try to remind folks all the time like even if you feel like you don't have any control, you can control what you put in your body. You can control your breath. You can control the people that you interact with and how often you can control all of these things. And all of those things can also lend themselves to a magical practice, you know? Exactly. And so for people who haven't read your amazing book yet, comma, <laughs> yet, would you just give us the, Cliff notes, long tweet lengths of what <laughs> your understanding of what magic is. And just, you can use an example, say somebody's having difficulty in their life right now caused by this global pandemic, which has had us, I'll put it in archetype terms for those listeners who are nerdy about stuff like that, like I am. Um, we, <laughs> we have been asked to figure out how to be, be yep. as in being a being, in a way that is temporarily anyway, outside of our regular doing. Yeah. And I see those as being masculine and feminine. The doingness is agency and that's masculine, non-sexual, thank you very much. Yep. But it's agency, it's doing, right? And then there's being, which is the feminine, not relation, not in relationship to your parts or your sexual whatevers. They're just energies, right? There's the, yeah. the staying and the beingness and the doingness. So if our doingness, that piece is adjusted, changed for now anyway, mm -hmm. you know, what is the relationship of magic in that? What's your way of approaching that for people? 
Um, the well, the reason that I wrote the book was because I have this friend named Karen Rontowski, um, who's got, she's a comedian and she's also a tarot reader and she has a podcast called Paranormal Karen, which is awesome. And we were about to record for that. And she said, you know, I've always wanted to do magic, but I didn't want to take a class or I didn't want to join an organization. And I was just so confused because to me, magic is inherent and it's just something that you just do because you can and then I, I wondered how many folks like Karen are, I guess, kept away from magic because of like gatekeeping, you know, like a lot of the books are written by old white guys and um, a lot of the, you know, the, the trappings that magic and witch fall into are these like heavily gendered women's thing that might exclude any dudes or non-binary folks. Um, and the higher magic is exclusionary because, you know, if you don't have enough money to join whatever, then you're fucked. Right. Mm. And then I started looking at what, like the difference between high magic and folk magic and folk stuff, even folk art, like is a really good comparison is, uh, is women's and indigenous folks. You know, if you go into any museum, there's the section of high art. That's mostly white straight guys. And then if you go into the folk art, it's, it's women's crafts and works and artwork or indigenous people. And I was like, well, that's a lot of bullshit right there. <laughs> but um, it's, it's a form of gatekeeping to think that you don't have enough money or you don't have enough whatever to enter into magic because magic is something that we all have and that we can all choose to use, you know? And so that's what really got me writing the book. And initially I was going to do like a book and I did so much fucking research. Gotta love being an author for sure. Um, <laughs> but I did so much research about um, which, which region of America, because I want to do an American one because I love this country and how smushed up and, you know, um, melting potish we are. You know, I love that. And I was like, I'll do a section on Ozark magic and I'll do one on Gullah Geechee magic and I'll do one on Appalachian magic. And it's all the same. Like there are elements of the exact same thing. Like mm -hmm. my favorite spell that I found was in a very old Polish book and my family's Polish. So I did a lot of research on Polish stuff and you literally go outside. If you need it to rain, if it hasn't rained, you go outside you dump a bucket of water on the ground and tell the sky, see, it's not that hard. <laughs> I, I know. I love that so much. And it's such a, like, it's such a direct and amazing spell. And I was teaching a class earlier today and someone said, what kind of magic can you do with little kids? And when my kids were younger, they're 15 and 16 now, but when they were tiny, I would give them baths every night. And then I would apply this like yummy lavender lotion to them. And I would start by brushing their hair and then I would lotion their whole bodies, you know, neck to foot. And while I did that, I was giving them like calming energy and I was praying for them and protecting them and doing magic while I put lotion on my kids. And that's magic, you know? Um, so it's the whole books. The point of it is, is that no one can teach you, you. I think I start out the book by saying you can't be, too poor or too queer or too brown to do to not do magic. Nothing can keep you from your magic. Nothing. 
and that's you know the gatekeeping is is really why I went after it the way that I did because I wanted to make it inclusive and I wanted to make sure that people knew that no one can keep you from it it's not fuck them I do what I want you know if I have magic it's mine you can't tell me what to do yeah I like that. This, that means I don't have to paint my nails black and wear silver pentacles. I mean, you can, and I wear a silver pentacle. Thank you very much. But, but I wasn't mocking you. I'm just but, saying. No, I, I know. I was giving you shit. Um, but no, you don't have to be, you don't have to be part of any religion. You don't have to be part of any, like, um, any order. You don't have to do anything that other people do. You know, your magic is yours and yours alone. And that's it. I love it. it. And it's, it's super fun. I like the points early on in the book that you're making in relationship to what we're talking about now is that like, oh, wait, 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 you know, people have been doing this forever. Um, it got called many different things in families. I mean, there's granny magic. There's the little things that like your grandfather or grandparent or great auntie used to do. And they didn't call it magic, at least in my no. family, because like you're Catholic, so you don't do that. That's right. Exactly. Um, which leads me to something that I think most people listening to this will understand that the witch archetype, uh, archetype of a witch has been subject to so much projection of shadow yes um and it hasn't been well investigated you know up until this time we're in 2020 right now and the witch trials were how long ago and uh i mean that's just within the united states but i think it's been forever but at the same time the threat that a powerful feminine energy who heals and accepts and works with things that are not of you know, not within a religious construct. That's really scary and that's really threatening. Yeah. And therefore and it's really going on in our Supreme Court right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. The the witch hunts have never really stopped. Well, but... and they're they're closer than you think too. Like my ancestor Christina Sinova uh, was the last woman killed in the Polish witch hunt. And that was 184 years ago. That wasn't that's not ancient history you know 1836 is like that's not that long ago man you know and um the fact that it happened that close to us like you expect 1400s maybe 1700s 1836 yeah that's how long ago it was that women were you know seen as disposable because of their craft that's fucking scary yeah. And but it also Women makes plus me, power equals really scary. So we have Yeah. And and I think it's it. a really good reminder to us too that you know less than 200 years later one of her granddaughters has published a book about magic. I think that's really important. Um but still like I didn't come out of the tarot closet until I published my first book in 2017. I've been reading cards since the 90s. The like 91 I started. But I didn't put my name with it because I was afraid what people would say or do to me. I didn't like, there was no way you could have found the name Sonova with tarot ever because I did, I got fired from a job for doing cards, you know? Really? And I didn't want, yeah, I didn't want people to think I was a weirdo and I, I wanted to protect my family. So it was never, ever connected. And then I didn't talk about my magical practice until like last year when I started writing this book. Because again, I live in the Midwest in a small town. 
Like I'm not, I won't even put a Biden Harris sign in my front yard because I don't want it to get vandalized. And, you know, we have a Black Lives Matter mask and I told my kids don't wear it outside because I don't feel like having a good hate crime today. <sighs> so that fear is still there, but I am bigger than it and stronger than it, you know? And also I know some protection spells, so fuck off. You know, it's that fear is still there and the, the worry is still there, but, you know, I carry myself differently and I think that makes a great deal of difference. But yeah, I think, you know, there is, I, I think this is true that the witch hunts were begun because men started getting into science and medicine and the women were midwives and were taking all of their patients. So that is something that I either heard or read. I, I can't cite the source, but it checks out, you know. And if you have a, an independent woman back then who does not need a man to take care of her and can make her own money and do her own thing and has power, well, she's got to go. And there is no, there were at least, I mean, it depends on what age you talk about. We didn't have priestesses formally. Mm -hmm. So priests within whatever you know, uh, denomination, religion, or whatever, they're supported by the community, or at least they were in days of old. And the women healers, the, the midwives, you know, the, the healer, shaman, priestess, witch archetypes were supported by the community. But then as things changed, they were no longer supported by the community. They had to get married. Mm -hmm. but, and the irony is people still brought their kids or their illnesses to them on the sly to be like, can you help us? <laughs> like, yeah. Can't tell I mean, anybody. And Practical Magic, the book, like, um, have you read the book, Jay? Have you no. Read it? no. Oh, it's so good. Okay. So in the book, do you know that scene in the movie where the woman comes and she's like, why else would I come here? Yeah. If I did, if I didn't, if I knew what else to do. And she's like, she throws the money on the table. And in the book, the whole town is like that. All the people that are like, um avoiding them or calling them names they knocked on that door they went to that door and and treated the witches like shit in public but in private man that that those were their people and i've had people do that with readings they they get a reading from me and they're like can i pay with because i don't use paypal can i use paypal so i can use a different name so it doesn't show up on my credit card receipt and i have to tell my husband what i'm doing and i'm like oh, no that's that's your business if you want to figure out a way to do it that's fine but that's you know i i get it it's fine you know not everyone has an ideal marriage it's, it's okay but you know even if they're safe even if it's a relationship where like i because i ask when people are like hey i don't want anybody to see this i'm like are you safe do you need help like this is a concern no no i just don't want them to know what i'm doing and i'm like oh yeah well, that's okay I There's, guess, but that's not my problem to solve. Yeah. You're like, I've got boundaries <laughs> and here yeah, they are. Yeah, I do. I'm not trying to get into your, I don't tell my husband everything marriage. That's none of my business. So, yeah. And it's kind of an invitation to do that too. It's like, yeah, let me change my entire billing system. So your husband doesn't find out you see a tarot reader. No problem. I'll get right on that. <laughs> uh, no, I can believe it. I can believe it. I think, um, we are not American culture anyway. It's the only one I'm in. So that's all I can speak to is the, again, the, psychologically, there's so much that's in the shadow that we don't acknowledge ourselves. 
don't want to acknowledge, don't want other people to see. So you've got, yeah. you've got all this stuff that you don't want to look at, but you kind of know. And then you've got a bunch of stuff that nobody else can see. Because yeah. Because it is, and it is something that is, it's subtle. It's not well understood. So there, there aren't a lot of ways for people to go, Hey, you know what? This has actually really helped my life and I can prove it because of this, this, and this. Yeah, that exactly. Is what, that's what the world in its mainly patriarchal systems have to kind of go back to, well, you have to show me results, right? Here's this yeah. product. It has to be product um, and a repeatable scientific. This is the way it is. Or it, yeah, and then it becomes legit. legit and then you can talk about it. But there, I think there's magic in, uh, well, in my case, it would be more of like in a consultation counseling session. Yeah. Magic can happen there just because there's a relational space for that to exist in period yes. and issues large and small can be solved simply by the, uh, that and again we're both talking about the archetypal feminine the relational messy things are not exact they're not necessarily repeatable you know the yeah. feminine is soaked in the world of what we call magic mm -hmm. and uh, trying to measure it with something that is archetypally completely masculine is getting rid of some of that magic yeah it, and it's it messy. can't exist in that world it's messy by nature yeah and now i have naughty by nature stuck in my head so thanks for that you're welcome because i'm messy by nature not because <laughs> i hate you yeah um i i don't know i think that like i get a lot of information from the practical magic books by alice hoffman and then there's this new series i'm reading by louisa morgan that is kind of a history of a family of witches from the 1400s until the present. Mm. And so I get a lot of like, I know that they're novels, you know, I get it. I'm, I, I'm smart. I'm an author. I get that. However, they're so well researched and they have so much information and historical context in them that they really add to my magical practice as well as Terry Pratchett, you know, yeah. And all of his, his witches books. Like I, I can't count how many times I quoted Terry Pratchett in kitchen table magic That is true. because he helps me structure how I do magic. That whole headology thing that he talks about is, you know, when he talks about having second thoughts that normal people have and witches have third thoughts. So your second, second thoughts are what you think about what you thought about it. And the third thoughts are what you think about how you thought about what you thought about it. He is and meta as fuck, isn't he? Yeah, it is. And but it's it's truly how you do magic. Like I will give you an example. So I was doing I wanted to do protection magic on my kids because they're in the time of corona and they're spending two weeks with their dad and then two weeks with us. And I'm not used to being away from them that long and I don't like it, but we're being safe, so there it is, right? So on the full moon, I happen to be going through this trinket box that I have. And in it I find their baby teeth. And I find an umbilical cord stub. And I find a letter that their dad wrote to me while we were dating. And I find rose petals that he gave me in a bouquet a long time ago. And I was like, what the hell? So I texted my Sarah Kate and Ellen, who are my, my witchy besties. And I said, hey, I found this stuff and I need to do a protection spell. And they were like, oh, we're on it. Okay, don't do it during the day, do it at night because this is protection. We protect with a baseball bat, not with good wishes, right? And uh, these are good rocks for it. And I put salt and sugar in the bag and salt's for protection and sugar is for sweetening. 
and um, I lit a candle and I did all of the things, right? And all of it was pushed through with my belief that I can protect my children, you know, that I can. And the thing that the conversation did was add that masculine archetypal organization to my feminine archetypal, I need to protect my kids, snarling mama bear vibe, right? Mm-hmm. So that organization and the conversation helps me make a to-do list and get things in shape. Take and it was the actual great. actions. Take the actual action about it. Yes. And it turned it from thought into an actual thing that I created. And it's good. I can feel it like humming. It's good. It, I did good work. And all of the parts of that came from, I, it's kind of like writing a book, really. I tried to write a book without an outline. Don't do that. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> what you end up with is 45,000 words and no structure. So it's just word vomit. Um, so it's the same thing. You have to give your magic an outline. You have to say, okay, this is the beginning. This is the middle. This is the end. Here are the bullet points I want to touch on. And this is what its purpose is. This is its thesis. And even if it's an easy spell, like um, I this um, really great prosperity spell that I've taught people. Um, There's a beginning, there's a middle and there's an end, but the whole spell takes five minutes. You know, this is, it's not rocket science, but you still have to have a clearly defined, well thought out. This is what this means or else you're just kind of doing stuff and hoping, you know? So I have a question. Okay. I'm ready. What is your question? What is your understanding of the relationship of the person's belief in what they're doing, because I know focused intentionality period is always powerful, right? It always is. Mm -hmm. And then putting it into creating something with that focused intentionality. Do you think someone could do that who didn't have a heck of a lot of belief in what they were doing? No, because I, so again, touching base, I've been watching Practical Magic a lot <laughs> lately. Same movie, I watched it, over and then and I watched it with a friend. Oh yeah. Um, I watched it with Joe and then, um, cause I always watch witch movies when I'm like signing books cause it's fun and it's October. Did you rewatch And Hocus then my Hocus. friend and I, I haven't yet, but I'm going to. It's terrible. Um, it doesn't hold up. It's the best. It's, it's the best. Doesn't. How oh. dare you? How very dare you? No, watch it again. Um, but I watched it like, um, what's the other one? Uh, the Witches of Eastwick uh-huh. and Practical Magic. And there are a couple other ones that I watched. But I was in Practical Magic, it said she, there's a line where she's like, she turns her nose up at the craft, you know, and then mm-hmm. tries to dabble. And no good comes of dabbling. And I think that that's absolutely correct because it's kind of like those people who, and it doesn't happen very often. And I'll tell you why, because I raised my prices. So it takes, it's $125 to get a reading from me. And the reason for that is I'm very good at what I do. Uh The sub reason for that is because I used to get, when I was, when I was less expensive, I would get people going, "Um, okay, psychic, give me a reading. And I'm like, "Uh, are you daring me to be, fuck you, man. And it, it was sloppy. They, they were, they weren't trying to get a reading. They were trying to, you know, fuck with a tarot reader. And the more I raise my prices, the less I get that, right? 
because yeah. I don't like dabblers in my magical practice or in my tarot practice. If you want a reading, I'll give you a reading. If you want to fuck with me, good luck. You know, <laughs> my boundaries are super tight. And I still have some folks who will pay $125 an hour to argue with me about their reading. And I'm like, I think I need to raise my prices again. You know, it's, uh, I won't be able to afford you. Well, uh, you get the <laughs> discount girl, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you don't worry about it, but why? Well, and I always have email readings that are $40. Those that, that will is, never, ever change. Ever. That is excellent. The higher yeah, recommended. Because I've been broke before and I know what it's like to need a reading and not afford it. So I, as long as I do email readings, they will never go above 40 bucks ever. Um, okay. but for my phone readings, I, I don't want to waste my time arguing with somebody. That's, that sucks. That's not what I do for a living. I don't, I'm not an attorney. I'm not a debate champ. My job is to tell you stuff. And if you don't want to hear it, you can be mad at me afterwards. You know, don't waste my time. And I feel the exact same way about magic. Like if you're going to do magic, you can't be like, ugh, this is stupid, but I'm going to try it and see what happens. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing. Because you can't turn your nose up at it and practice at the same time. It doesn't work. It's, and it's disrespectful, I think. You know, I, I don't know. I just, it, it pisses me off. Can you tell? It makes me angry. I know, um, I'm pressing buttons. That's what I do. But yeah, I agree. But like, I mean, I would. If you, that's, if you don't like it, don't fucking do it. And keep your opinions to yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think as people, you know, they cross a boundary. It's a scary, be, because of all the cultural stuff. And frankly, I mean, we're maybe what, five years, four or five years, six years difference in our ages. But as a child, witches were always the bad guys. Yeah. Always, always. The scariest character in my childhood was Witchy Pooh from oh. the kids' TV, uh, the HR Puffin stuff. Scariest. Oh. I would have nightmares. Oh, no. And she was really, she was that like cackly, you know, green faced word on the nose, like that kind of like terrible picture of what a, a witch could be. Yeah. And well, yeah. They were always the scary, like the, of the Disney villains were villainesses by yeah. and large. So, you know, I was in kind of grew up with that at the same time, five or six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, I was making potions in the yard and yes. doing magical spells and talking to the fairies, but there's Me no way too. I could be a witch because and Me even too, this, okay. well yeah, and even I mean I actually really thought about this before this call of like, my witch and uh and archetypally and so i i thought back to the work that i've done with people and the handful of people that i was like i was like have you looked at the witch archetype and they're like no no couldn't possibly like why would well, i do that? that sounds like a terrible <laughs> exactly for all of those reasons and there was at least one that i can remember now was like it finally one day it was like she was coming out she's like fine i'm a witch and i'm like own it girl own it think of all the amazing positive you know, aspects because the, the, what I would call the attendant archetypes, that kind of like Venn diagram of yeah. other archetypes that we recognize, healer, shaman, mm-hmm. priestess, spellcaster, lover, yep. all of those are in there. And yeah. which has been healer. cast asunder. Yeah. Healer. Healer's the first one I think of in relationship to the witch. And it's kind of like, what makes a witch a witch? We kind of went into that. And I thought about it because one of my best friends in high school um, which in the eighties, this was not done in Reno, Nevada. Um, she was like, I'm Wiccan and I'm going to take all the Wiccan holidays off. 
in high school. And nice. I was like, bitch, that's a good, that's, I, can I, can I be Wiccan? Because I really, and she was just like, whatever. And she had all these books and I looked at them and I was like, yeah, I'm not really interested in that. Right. I was studying Native American uh, rituals and ceremonies and processes. That was more attractive to me. That was more kind of where I was. I didn't consider that witchcraft. Um, but I didn't, you know, it was great that she was Wiccan and done all this stuff, but it yeah. was like, yeah, it didn't, I made potions and spells, talked to ghosts, talked to fairies, did all of that stuff, but it didn't, it didn't, the, the whole archetype of the witch as both for positive and negative didn't, I was like, yeah, I could take it or leave it, which usually means psychologically, there isn't a big charge there. If you were like, oh, yeah. absolutely not. Or absolutely. Yes. That means something. But I was really more like, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's in my Venn diagram. It's over here in a smaller part of the Venn diagram, but maybe priestess is the biggest part. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Never solidly any one thing. Because Um, names can take, you know, it's it's kind of the same thing as when people want to call me psychic. Like twenty years ago, absolutely not. I want nothing to do. Do not call me a psychic don't call me a fortune teller. Don't you dare. And the reason that I was all don't you dare is because of the bad rap that psychics and fortune tellers had. Yeah. It wasn't because I can't tell the future because I can. And it certainly wasn't because I, you know, am not psychic because I am. The reason was because so many people talk shit about them that I didn't want to get anywhere near that. And I went to Catholic school in mid Missouri for Christ's sakes you can't be a witch <laughs> in mid Missouri. And no, that's not allowed. But I found like, I kept doing reports on witchcraft though in grade school. And, <laughs> and I did, like, it was all like, I did one on Janis Joplin and I did one on witchcraft and I did one, like um, I did one on ghosts and all of these reports that they're like, pick whatever you want. And people are like blueberries. I'm going to write about blueberries. I would write about witches you know, and I would read my favorite book series is, um, the swiftly tilting planet. by oh, Madeline Yeah. Witches. Yeah. Witch. You know, That's Charles right. Wallace is a witch. He yeah. make, a, takes actions based on what he needs to do in order to change the world around him. That's magic, you know, and all of this is magic. And I, I was pulled towards The Girl with the Silver Eyes, which is a book I talk about in my book, which was yeah. this girl named Katie who had silver eyes and she could make things happen. And I was like, I am like Katie. I don't know how yet, but I'm like her. And it was just, it was a source of identity for a weird little kid in the boondocks, like trying to figure out how to fit in. And I found out that I could not fit in where I was but I found it later you know and to kind of I want to bring this kind of back to what we talked about earlier and and honestly our archetypes know us more than we know them it takes us a while to kind of get to know who we are and that's that's kind of where those those patterns have been super helpful to me in my life we are never a one thing so they're not stereotypes Mm -hmm. but they're powerful constellations that you know we're, we're kind of like living in their orbit and eventually, hopefully we start to get to know them in a different way and own them and, and have them and, you know, have that extra space available again, that we were sort of denying them or or ignoring them in some way 
so much space is freed up within yes. our psyche once you, you're owning it as it were when you're aware of it there's you don't realize how much sort of tension was there because it wasn't acknowledged yeah um, and like yeah i have a friend who and this is a very close friend this is my tarot buddy and um you know three of us in the group are witches and one of well, I guess there's five of us, but so four of us are witches and one of us is, is not a witch, does not define themselves as witch. They do not see themselves as a witch. And then they come to one of the hangouts with candles that they had blessed in the full moon with herbs in it. And we're like, okay, so clearly you're not a witch. <clears throat> but it's not a title that they pull into themselves or onto themselves. And we respect that. That's totally fine. We give them shit about it when they make blessed full moon candles with herbs in them because we're their friends and that's our job, but they don't want to use that title. That's okay. That title means something to them that I can't see from their past. And that's okay. It's totally cool. I see that because I'm a little that way myself. Like yeah. having a creating, you know, I'm making roses <laughs> now. I'm creating sacred objects. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you know, the priestess word is like solid for me because all of those things for me kind of fall under that category. I mean, a dash of shaman because much of my own connection to the divine is through nature. Mm -hmm. I, can't, I don't get the church thing. I don't get that constructed, you know, I don't feel close to God inside any kind of human construction thing necessarily. Right. I mean, a beautiful church it's like, wow, this creation, humans made it. But I'd rather be out by a creek or next to the ocean yeah. and having having that. So, and I don't own any herb, full moon, blessed candles, but I certainly would. <laughs> like, right? I just don't I have any right now. So, think, yeah. And I think that it's, you know, one of the things that makes me laugh so hard is that there was a thread on Facebook and people were looking for protection herbs. And I was like, dude, you can use pumpkin spice, like the allspice seasoning for pumpkin pie. Because here, let me look up because I want to be specific because I don't cook. Um, pumpkin pie spice, right? Okay, so let's look at what's in this stuff. Cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, and cloves. That's the pumpkin, that's the pumpkin spice, right? Right. Cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, and cloves are all protection herbs. So somebody <laughs> call up Starbucks and let them know, I know. the shit so, that they're up to literally a pumpkin spice latte is protection potion and it makes me so happy because we i need get to get so a sponsorship wait a minute hold on I I'm, gonna hold them. <laughs> I'm gonna tweet at them right now which I, is for starbucks exactly i get so pissed off when people are like oh basic bitches with their pumpkin spice i'm like um basic witches wielding their pumpkin spice fuck off you know but it's that easy that's how easy magic can be is that you can literally go to the cabinet and pull out your pumpkin spice stuff and use that as the base of your protection spell. Easy, you know? I did and, not know that. Yeah, it's fun. I wonder what it? other things in my life I'm like, that's a freaking spell. So, yeah. And I'm, I kind of did a little bit of genealogy this summer. Uh, and it turns out <laughs> on a side of the family that I wasn't as familiar with because they were you know in the south and i'm like i don't know when i know it's from the south i don't have family from there yeah yeah, yeah yeah whatever so arkansas what no not my people but yes <laughs> and um few a couple of and it's hard to find and, and this is a project for me like later on but i just immediately was like 
there's some witches bitches up in my family tree and not on this not just on the side that I already knew about right so I had it from the Scottish Irish side that I was like and my great 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 aunt was a water witch and it was the same thing she was Catholic she prayed the rosary but everyone when they needed to dig a well who'd they go to her because she knew yeah. how to do you know the rods and the whole thing exactly um, so I knew that but I found some on my other side and you need to get, I need to get more details, but my whole intuition was like, oh yeah, those, those people, oh yeah, 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 those, they, they are, and I'm proud of it, I'm like, well, that's cool, this shit didn't come from nowhere, right, um, my own sort of brand of it is whatever, but like, so if, yeah, personally, I don't, I'm like, I'm not a witch, but like, I get the witchy stuff, like, whatever, call it whatever you want, magic is magic. Yeah, I think the thing that kills me is that like, um, okay, so, one of the things that my friend Sarah Kate, who is Italian, when I told her I was doing this, she's like, well, you tie a red string around the baby's crib for protection. And I went, do what now? <laughs> and that is an Italian spell. But I also found that in like three other cultures that yeah. you, if that this is a way of protection. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. That's neat. And then I started like reading about Polish magic. Cause like I said, my family's Polish and my grandma always used to whisper prayers like just under her breath and I thought it was like the affectation that you don't say it out loud or else you'll catch it like cancer you know (laughs) and then I read that in Polish culture you say you whisper prayers so the angels can hear them that's magic that is a magic thing and I was like the fuck there's even I think it's called sheptum I don't know I'm my Polish is terrible but it's actually a thing that is known that is in Polish magic are and then my grandma's just been fucking doing it her whole life. I don't freak Tracy. out, but there are um, part Vedic traditions, and my I come to it from uh, Kundalini yoga. But there are chants that you have to do. At one, you say out loud. You do it for X amount of times out loud, and then you whisper it the next time. What the hell? And then yeah, it's like. And then you don't, you only say it in your head. So you're going from saying it out loud to whispering it and then saying it only in your mind. And their belief is that you're actually talking to and relating to different levels of consciousness. So if you could say whispering is to the angels, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know that my Kundalini friends would agree with me, but it is, you understand there are levels of consciousness there and you're in relationship to it this is the way you do it and that particular I just call it a mantra or chant there's another name for it I'm forgetting but that one is super powerful really it is probably made the most had the biggest effect in my life to actually like change my life for the positive in the long term yeah and you know there's a body movement you touch the you tap your fingers so it's kind of like well is that is that magic I did that for 42 days mm-hmm. every day so I'm like well is, is that magic but that sure. shifted a huge amount of anxiety away from me with that practice sounds like uh, magic to me yeah I think I don't know with that I had a friend I suggested that to a friend who's very very uh lives very much in ego realm and I mean, they have a deep, they have a life. Everyone has, a, but their, their relationship to the world is frequently across the surface. And yet 
difficulties come from underneath and bother them and they have to work with it. Yeah. So I had to talk with them about it and I'm like, well, try this and you really should do it for 40 days. And I, you know, there's a YouTube link. I'm like, it's a Kundalini practice. And um, he's like, I don't, I don't believe that's all, but that's all, you know, the usual line of like that right. crazy talk. I was like, Hey, well, whatever. There's, you know, you have nothing to lose. That practice actually helped him as well. He did. Yeah. I don't know that he did it for the, maybe he did it for 20 days, but he was like, Jules, like you were right. And I go, you didn't need to believe anything, but maybe it is a vibration gets changed as you do it. And, so. and I think it could be easier for some folks if instead of believe in it, right? Because that engenders a whole bunch of shit. That's faith, religion, spiritual, like this, everything. What yeah. if instead we made it a practice, which is a less fancy word than ritual? So everyone knows that if you practice, you get better. If Michael Jordan was an amazing basketball player because he practiced all the time, he made those three I don't know sports, but he made good basketball shots because he'd made it in practice 200 million times before. Yeah. And he had the muscle memory, right? So we know from science that we can retrain our neural pathways. This is a, an actual thing that we can do. So if meditation, which has been proven to help reshape your neural pathways done in a certain way for a certain amount of time, will restructure your neural pathways and make you less anxious or whatever, help manifest better, do whatever your goal is. Why can't that be magic too? Let's just call it meditation then. Or instead of belief, let's call it practice. So you don't have to have all of like, I, there's this really great book by Dr. James Doty, which is called into the magic shop. I was about to ask you about that. uh, It's the best. You're, You're psychic. It's like I'm psychic and he's a neurologist, which is, that's a big deal. Neurology, big deal. And at Stanford, um, you know, yeah. I've heard of them. Yeah. And he opened the center for care for the care center for physicians to learn how to be more um, compassionate in their care of patients. Mm-hmm. And he's amazing. And in his book, he talks about um, restructuring neural pathways and he talks about using meditation as an aid to do this. And there's all sorts of science to back it up. But it sounds exactly like the shit you were talking about. That's something that's Vedic and spiritual. Yeah. And my friend is doing this thing by Wim Hof, who I think oh, is- Oh, the like breathing. Wim the Hoff. breathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's, she's changing her physiology and she has um, some health issues that are getting straightened out because she's changing her breathing. That's, that stuff that's is science. I, I did but, try the one, I almost passed out. But I did- Yeah, I really can't do them. Night. I, not good for asthmatics, but, uh, but, but well, maybe good for some asthmatics, but you have to be careful with Wim Hof because he'll knock you on your ass. Oh, he will. He will. He yeah. Will. He's a madman though. He's a madman in a really good way. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I, don't I love him. But the ones that I do are by Dr. Doty and they're much more gentle. Yeah. And essentially there are three stages. You relax your body and feel your body seeking into the bed or the chair, whatever you're sitting in. Then you open your heart and what I do during that part is I think about all the interactions I had during the day and whether I did the best I could or whether I need to do a follow-up tomorrow to make it the best I could in recognizing that your best shifts from day to day and then the next part that you do is manifestation 
and you think about what is going to, not what might or you, what you want to have happen, but what will happen in your future. And I have this, this thing I'm working on, I really want it to happen. And so I think about when this happens, this is what my life will look like. This is the work that I have to do. This is the time I have to put in. And, and then I fall asleep while I'm doing that. And I do that all the time for different goals. And I'm not exaggerating to say that 90% of the time it happens. Not on a particular timeline. It happens when the universe is fucking ready for it to happen. Yeah. But I think about this stuff all the time and, and then it happens. And then I say, thank you. I'm grateful more, please. Because that's, that's what my magic looks prayer. like. Is you know? that in your book? It is. Okay. It is. I learned that from my friend, Megan Potter. Um, because I have a huge problem with accepting good things because of the way Me that I was too. raised. Yeah. And I decided that that's enough of that shit. That scarcity mindset is not helpful. Well, it's tied to work, and, right? Like, yeah. And it gets in the work. way of who I am and, and what I deserve. You know, I've been poor. I don't need to learn any more lessons from the universe about being poor because I already did that. Yeah. So thank you. I'm grateful more, please. That's it. The best prayer. It is. It's a good one. Didn't Annie Lamont write a book with that title? I don't know. I'm just blah, blah, blah. Um, so uh, clearly I need to finish reading your book, but I got as much. It's amazing. And it's super easy to read. Um, and I, I, I almost rescheduled this podcast so I could finish it before, but I'm like, we didn't do one in September. I really miss talking with Miss Melissa and happened. But you know, I'm I know our listeners will be stoked to read it. And I'm I'm truly not exaggerating. It's fun, it's real. The realness that you bring and you bring it on social media and in your life is so Aww. necessary. It really is. I'm not just saying that and you know, to compliment myself, I'm I'm kind of at a similar vein with bringing it real like we're we're messy and amazing and all of those things and I know Sundara and I we, we don't bring this kind of like everything will be wonderful it's all perfect it's fine we have like grit in our lives that we're working with yeah just kind of show up with goodness and realness together yeah. um more and more people are actually talking about this that idea of toxic positivity and I'm like finally someone's talking about that dude if I get fucking light and loved again I swear I to know. God I know I can't deal because it's just it's just words there's no intent oh prayers I hate it when people write and this is just me I'm trying not to be an asshole but here we are I hate it when people are like I'm having a really hard time right now and I appreciate anybody's thoughts I think that's very sweet but the people who write prayers with an exclamation point I'm like is it a threat is it a weapon? What, that that just feels like a very yeah. easy fake thing to write. Prayers, yeah. thoughts you, and prayers, thoughts and prayers. prayers. Like the exclamation point behind it just annoys the shit out of me. Yeah, and, I mean, there's there's so uh, much. I'm I'm pointing us in a direction here. There's so much okay. grief right now, and I know you have a spell. I do about have a grief. Oh yes, I have a spell for grief. I, it's much I, more effective than going prayers at it. So I love that. I think if the, and a lot of it comes back to being heartful and mindful when you, when you click onto or tap onto whatever social media mm-hmm. to take a moment to take a breath and treat it, it might be junk food, but don't come at it with junk food. Like, yeah. you know, we'll like, 
Like I want to be a vitamin. I want to be a bright light. I like, love that. Or or not. And I don't always do it because it's just habitual. Tap. Oh, here I am on Instagram. Tap. But you know the realness of things. Like my friend's dog, and he had him for twenty years, and he was no. such an amazing dog. And you know, like I've had death in my life recently, and good two good friends lost each lost a parent and it's just been like grief 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 but like I see this thing and I just had to be like I want to be a vitamin I want to be a bright light and I saw everyone posting oh my god you know prayers hugs blah 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 and I just had to put what I was like oh my gosh and then his name I am so sorry he was you know it's just he was an amazing dog and I was really happy that I got to walk him a few times just from the heart simple thing I hoped he took it in the way that I meant it um but it very well could have been just clicking the hug thing you know now there's the hug one but like I just I know that there's an energy that goes into my words yes that that hopefully that will translate to the other person and if I can't think of something to say at that time I want to come back to it I don't want to just like type something in to have something there so anyway you know I I have a friend whose father passed away in the middle of all of this. And instead of commenting on the Facebook post, I wrote him a letter. Exactly. And in the letter, I was like, hey, buddy, uh, I didn't know your father, but if he was anything like you, he must have been amazing. And that was it. And that I feel, you know, is more meaningful than shouting prayers at somebody with seven exclamation points and a fucking smiley face i'm just gonna say this because you know my mom passed i'll just say it my mom passed last month yeah um, that i didn't want to post it on social media i had to talk to all the close friends and family first and i told everyone do not post about it um but i knew i had to eventually and um the it felt so much better one to tell people in person as hard as it fucking was but also the the deep meaningfulness of people finding out they found out about it and a lot of people they didn't comment they didn't they just they put a little thing in their calendar to call me next week or call me in two weeks yes because they didn't want to overwhelm me and they just said i wanted giving you your space was the best thing ever and i note to self if that wasn't something I would have done, make that something that I will do in a yes. similar situation because it just, yeah. it was so that kind matters and, more. and it meant something. Yeah. It really, really meant something. Fine. I'm so glad, but, sweetie. Yeah. It was, it's, you know, it's a fucked up situation, but it, it you know. So but when you, you mentioned that you've got us, they are, yeah. and it's on this massive scale that like, we've I don't I've we've never had to deal with this before like no. we just we haven't as a group and I think I've never lost my mom before remember, right yeah. this is nobody has had to lose their parent in the middle of a global pandemic before that you know in our time and with the 24-hour news cycle just pounding us in the eyeballs you know relentlessly so this is all very yeah. new but grief is very old And what I know to be true about grief is that it never shrinks or goes away, but that our life shrinks and grows around it. So my grandmother passed away three years ago and my grandpa and my uncle Jerry, all of whom I loved very much and all within three months of each other. So it was just relentless grief. That was my job to go to funerals and to grieve. And it got, every time I tried to get, 
off my knees. I got knocked out again. So I was like, I'm just staying down here. Fuck you guys. I'm out. And that was actually, that's now one of the pieces of advice I give to people is if you're feeling down, stay down for a while. I mean, you can't live there, obviously. But for now, stay down. This is not a race on see who heals fastest. So stay down if you need to stay down is the first piece of advice. The second is that I felt like I know that my grandmother knows that I love her and I know that she knows that she's, you know, I totally know she's my, that I'm her favorite because I asked the other kids at the funeral if they ever told, she ever told them that and they did it. And I was like, yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, I know. Right. I was like, did she That's tell you? That's some hutspot lady. I'm I know. Did she tell you guys that she, you were her favorite grandchild too? And they're like, no. And I was like, <laughs> Anyway, oh my God. I, I'm a Sagittarius. Expect this shit. Okay. You're the worst. I am the worst. So I did it. So I wrote her a letter. I got a plant from my, my job, you know, as a condolence plant. And I wrote her a letter and it wasn't long. It was about a page long. And I wrote her how much I missed her and all of the ways that she helped me and how she made me feel better and how much I loved her. And then I folded it three times towards me. And then I turned it and folded it three more times. And then I buried it in the bottom of that plant. And I cared for that plant. Now I'm a plant assassin. That's my job. But I somehow managed to keep it alive for three years, you know? Wow. And because every time I watered it, every time I cared for it, I, Lucy, for heaven's sakes, (laughs) that's my dog talking. Um, Every time I, every time I encountered it and every time I took care of it, I would think about my grandma. And I felt like I was taking care of her. And that is a really great grief spell, particularly right now in the middle of everybody's life has shrunk down. Everyone's life is shrunk. And so those griefs and pains that we haven't been noticing because our life was so big around them are now throbbing. They're right in the middle of everything because you can't escape them. You know, where everybody's like either in lockdown or social distancing or wearing a mask or staying close to home or should be. And, um, and until that lets up, everything that we thought was a dull ache from the past is turning into an actual painful thing that we have to fucking deal with. So the, the grief spell of planting, you know, planting a letter to someone that you love and tending to that plant. And then, you know, you can decorate the top with like my grandmother loved cardinals. So I put a red stone on top and, um, I would like, talk to it like it was like my grandma was with me and say good morning and having something that that simple that's a pretty powerful magic spell because you're you're getting the grief out of you and you're directing it towards the people or the person that you miss so it doesn't sit inside of you and pull you down you know grief is really heavy i think people forget that it's a very heavy solid thing to carry around with you and it's not disrespectful to the person you lost to put it down. You know, it's always going to be there in some form, but it doesn't have to be like a big soggy backpack that you carry around with you every day. Yeah. There's no honor for your ancestor in that behavior. I don't, I, there's nothing that I'm aware of that intimates to me that that's what they want. And then that would make them happy. Yeah. Is that we're, you know, miserable and, all of that like all of my that got released be for them so pissed my grandma yeah. would be so fucking mad if i was pouting about her being gone suck it up rub some dirt on it Come yeah. on. 
Yeah. She mm-hmm. has, she raised seven children. She has zero patience for shit like that. So <laughs> if I were moping about her passing, I would fucking hear about it. I'm sure of it. Yeah. She would haunt me. Just tell me what a little bitch I was being. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Suck it up, butter. Oh my God. I love, I love my grandma. Idea. I can't, I'm not going to do that spell. Like I kill plants too. I'm terrible. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a nature, I'm like a nature child, but I'm really not with the growing of the plants. I will kill them. You could bury it in the ground too, without a plant. Yeah, I think, I think I'll do it. Yeah, I got to think about that because for sure when I get back to the island, I'll do something like that. But um, I've done a couple of ceremonies already. Yeah. Um, And I, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like I was being held back from doing it. I was just like, because I had a really big birthday three days after my mom passed mm-hmm. and I was like I'm gonna do a ceremony for her that day of my birth yeah no you're not no you're not my whole body was like you're not getting up <laughs> like, you stay put no. that's adorable yeah no, that's a really nice self-sacrificing thing to do but like you are not doing that yeah uh, but I love that and so I'm super stoked to finish reading your book and yay I hope you I, like it I I already do I've really enjoyed <laughs> all of your books um, learned a ton and that's the kind of thing where like if someone is going to buy a non-fiction book and you find it hard to read this is not that book the book this book is so easy to read because it's your voice it's like again the kitchen table series of being just super real super smart and relatable like it's easy I love all the stories and um, it's it's a nice thing I'm just going to say that to be Jewish Aww. it's a nice thing it's a nice thing well we need it now and you brought this gift to the world and i'm absolutely 100 percent behind making sure people get it it's kind of like here's this nice thing please get it i recommend yeah. it it's not just for you it's for the world your life will be better with it. just get this it's that simple so and i have no reason to kiss your ass so there no you don't i don't, I don't. <laughs> but it's fantastic you're such a light in the world i and love you so much so much and um if you're listening to this within a reasonable amount of time of it being up which is going to be in the month of october probably like really soon um listen to the end we are giving one copy of melissa's amazing book kitchen table magic away so yay it will be signed and yes. there will be stickers but anyway, so if you're not the winner of the book, or even if you are, just get a copy of the book. It's, it's a gift to yourself and to the Aww. world. Learn some, ma- learn some magic, people. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. Do you have fun? I love you so much. It's all right. Ahoy ho. All right. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We know you could have done something else with the last, I don't know, hour-ish of your life. But we're so glad that you spent it with us. Check out Melissa's website, melissasanova.com. That's Sanova, C-Y-N-O-V-A. And follow her on the socials for some awesome, authentic, wise, and big-hearted goodness on the Facebook and the Instagram. And as always, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Tarot Podcast. Or go crazy, send us an email, tarotpodcast at gmail.com. And big, 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 warm-hearted, Halloween-themed thank you to our patrons, Peter, Richard, Juniper, and Rash of State Woke Tarot. We appreciate your friendship and your support every day. 
This podcast is produced by Both End Media, and our theme music is by The Lunar Group. Until next time, aloha. Aloha.